What's up, guys? I'm Jack Noll, and this is Decoding Athletes with myself and Nick Bright. That is right. Once again, I'm here in the living room, the living room with all the greenery, and you're down in your gym with zero greenery, just graffiti and weights behind you. How's it going, mate? Not bad, mate. I might get a couple of plants in here, man. Yeah, I feel like you need to. I'm like zenning it out here, you know, with, with, yeah. with the plants and everything. That They're made out of plastic. They're not really. They are actually real, believe it or not. But um, Right, today it's all about the future, which I'm excited to talk to you about because I always like to know how much professional athletes think about retirement and think about what they might do when, you know, the, the, the time comes that they can't do it anymore. Because as we've discussed many times, rugby is a punishing, punishing game. You know, um, you're going in hard tackles, injuries happen all the time. There'll be a time when your body just can't recover quick enough between games. So the first question, I guess, is you don't have to tell me exactly what, because we'll get into that in more detail. But, you know, have you even contemplated or thought thought about retirement when I say contemplated I don't mean are you considering it so all the Chiefs fans calm down but like you know have you thought about that time in your life if I'm perfectly honest younger when I was younger I said I didn't want to play rugby I didn't think I'd be playing rugby so I never really thought about a career and then I've been in it now for nine ten years and I've been solely fo- focused on that I don't think it was until the last you know year or so where the guys I when I first joined the club there's a few guys there that were 24 25 years old and now I'm with them they're all leaving they'll get into their retirement age and you know a few of them would be openly honest they they haven't had much planned so you know it's kind of something that I've definitely thought about certainly now since I've had a family of myself as well so again but I, I if I'm perfectly honest I wouldn't have a clue what I want to do or what I'd want to do when I'm finished I don't think I want to do anything to do with rugby uh, I can't see myself being a coach I'm very much a believer of I've had a pretty good career so far I kind of want to park that and I want to try something completely different because you know I'll still be young hopefully I'll still be fit so um you know hopefully there'll be something else out there that I can uh, I can find to love that as, as much as I have a rugby it's interesting hearing you talk about the family side of things because you know that is pretty big and and your world and your life changes when, when when you have kids so you know it's it's no surprise to me that that is a factor for you but just talk to me about the ins and outs of professional athlete retirement I guess Um, and what I mean by that question is like say you retire on a Friday is it like that's it you know on a Saturday um, you know no more contact with the Chiefs or whatever like or whatever you know team you're playing for how does how does that work because you must have seen guys in your in your time you know older guys retire you know they still about at at, at the club doing bits and pieces I think that's one of the that is probably the toughest, toughest thing, to be honest. It is exactly like you've just said. We So if I take last year, for example, we finished our Heineken Cup final, our Prem final, two massive wins on the on the Saturday. And then one of my good mates, Phil Dolman, then retired on the uh, on the Sunday. You know, we had a few drinks together and stuff after the game. But and then, you know, Monday, Tuesday, he's he's into his new role, a new, his new job into his new office job. So it is literally as, as quickly as, as you snap your fingers. It goes in the blink of an eye, to be honest. And uh, it's tough. It is tough. But I'm I'm sure, you know, he's loving himself, his life now. I'm sure a lot of the other boys are. But I think it's just about getting yourself set, getting yourself mentally set, ready to go, and know that it is going to finish there and then. Uh, and that's it, to be honest. There's no hanging around. There's no, you know, remembering it and stuff. You've kind of just got to get on with the rest of your life then. So it is pretty savage, to be honest. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for most people or most, you know, rugby players and mates of yours that might have retired or people that you looked up to or whatever, what do, what do a lot of them generally go on to do? Is it really varied or is there kind of like common themes that you notice that people like to do? To be honest, a lot of a lot of guys I've played with now that have gone on to, to retire have actually become coaches or have done something to do with rugby. So there's obviously a few lads, Hayden Thomas, Julian Selvey, Gareth Steenson, all the players that I've played with over the last few years, they're all now actually coaching um, at the Chiefs. So I suppose if you've spent so much time playing rugby in so many games and so much training sessions, you know, you're going to be pretty clued on to what it takes, what it takes to make a good session, you know, what it takes to make a good player and then what it takes to win as well. So a lot of players do go on to the coaching side of stuff and you know there's nothing wrong with that but for me personally like I mentioned once I'm finished with rugby I think I kind of want to park it leave it enjoy and remember the good stuff that I've had but then I've got my whole life ahead of me again life after being an elite athlete it's a huge thing to navigate and how athletes deal with that it differs greatly from person to person you mentioned a few players there who went into coaching but it can feel like quite a daunting prospect for many people So we've delved into so many aspects of your life in this series, Jack, and we want to delve into the future and talk about how you might deal with your career changing at the end of rugby. Now, someone who's had to learn what life was like after being an elite athlete is a huge hero of yours. Someone you've admired from afar for a very long time, I know. He was three times world champion surfer and he joins us now all the way from Sydney, Australia. Let's say hello to Mick Fanning. Ah, oh, there he is. Howdy. How are you, mate? What's up, man? How's going? <laughs> first things first, because, uh, you know, Jack, you, you're, I don't want to embarrass you again, but you are a big fan. <laughs> uh, so, you know, just, 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 just explain kind of, you know, how, how much of an inspiration uh, Mick is to you and, and how much you've watched Mick's career. Mate, uh, massively, mate. Honestly, it's a, a pleasure to meet you. It's pretty surreal nice that I'm too, actually having a bit of a chat with you now. So, mate, thanks a lot for jumping on. This is this is awesome. Oh, good. No, I think obviously for me growing up, mate, I'm from a little uh, a little place in England called uh, Cornwall. Um, so we're down the very bottom of England. Um, I know where it is, yeah. So I've grown up on beaches. Uh, all of my mates and myself do a bit of surfing as well. Yeah. So I, I grew up on the beaches surfing and stuff. So we followed you. Um, you know, more, me, myself and my mates are, are big fans of yours, mate. Oh, cheers, cheers. Yeah, I've been been down Cornwall Way. had an event in Newquay once um, and that was pretty fun. It's uh, it's a pretty cool little town, yeah. Newquay. <laughs> Good little yeah. town down there. <laughs> well, Mick, I'm, I'm sure you've told the shark story many times, but we're all completely obsessed with it because it was pretty unbelievable. So if you could just, you know, for those people that aren't familiar uh, with it, just, just, just tell us the story again, if you could. Long version or the quick version? <laughs> um, yeah, look. It, <laughs> long version. Yeah, the long version. The, the, you want it all. Yeah, oh, okay. we want we want all you the details. No, um, yeah, look, I guess I, we're in um, Jeffreys Bay, South Africa. Um, I was there for the the event that they had there and um, I just paddled out for the final with good mate uh, Julian Wilson. We... Uh, you know, five minutes into the final, he just caught a wave down the point. Um, I was just just about to move and, and head down, head down that way, and and then all of a sudden, I just heard a splash behind me, and I was like, "Oh no, this is bad!" And um, you know, obviously, everyone's seen the footage of where the shark had just come up from behind and um, and all that. But for me, it, it went on forever. Like for what was ten seconds, felt like. Five, ten 
minutes. At first, I was just trying to get my board in between me and the shark. I never, never really saw the, the big eye or the big teeth or anything like that, luckily. Um, but as I got my board in between, the shark actually kicked, kicked me with its tail, hit me in the head, knocked me off the board, and that's when it snapped through my leg rope, um, just popped. And what, what people don't see it is it spun back around and hit me again. And that was when I was like trying to get away from it. Um, and yeah, last thing I saw was just my board on top of its fin just sailing off into the sunset. And I was like, well, I'm not going back for my board. And started swimming the other way. As I started swimming, <laughs> I was like, oh, keep going, keep going. And then I was like, if, if I don't stop and try and have a look and fight this thing, then it could just take my legs and I'll be gone anyway. So I decided then and there it's, um, yeah, look, I'm going to have to stop and, and try and fight this thing. And, um, and luckily it didn't come back because the strength of that thing was just incredible. You know, Jack, you probably wrestled some strong humans on the, on the rugby field, but yeah, this was like, <laughs> it did whatever it wanted. And um, yeah, I was just so insignificant in that in that situation your three older brothers they were a big inspiration to you when you were growing up when you were young uh, that, that they surfed so did you do it just to try and be part of of the gang and just copy your older brothers um that was pretty much it um yeah growing up i would just be as much as i could just be chasing my brothers around i guess you saw like the little puppy dog chasing the big dogs around and um you know they they took me surfing they taught me how to surf and Anything new that sort of came into life, they were the guys that would uh, be the ones showing me around. And so it was, it was cool to, to have those guys. I learned, I learned a lot from them, good and bad. And, um, you know, all those lessons that I've learned, I, I still carry with me today. And, and they did help shape the person I am. Talk to me about the tragedy that you went through with your brothers and, and how that affected you as a person and as an athlete. Yeah, look, I guess the first one, my, my first brother who passed away, Sean, he, he passed away when I was 17. And that one was extremely difficult because, you know, you, you're not equipped as a 17-year-old to to deal with something like that. Um, and, you know, I guess at that time, everyone's just like, be strong, be strong. And, and I, in that situation, I thought that was like, okay, don't show any emotion, don't don't give anyone anything. Uh, you know, I had people crying all around me and, and I was just stone faced. I was like, well, I just got to be strong, I guess. And and it took me a few years to realize that I, I built up this wall. With that wall up, I couldn't do the healing process. And and it took me a long time. It took me, you know, over 10 years to, to figure that out. So that one was definitely definitely a really tough one to, to get through. And, and then, yeah, in 2015, after the shark, after the, the, the wild old year, um, I, yeah, I woke up. It was uh, second last day of the pot masters and um, woke up to my mum knocking on the door. And, and um, yeah, she told me that my, my eldest brother, Peter, had just passed away from heart failure. And, um, yeah, it was really unexpected again. And, you know, I was meant to surf that day. I was going from fourth world potential fourth world title and and you know i was like what do i do do i surf do i not do i um 
yeah, I, I was sort of just numb. And um, I was lucky I had my mum my there. I had some incredible friends that helped me get through it. Couldn't have done by myself, but I actually went and surfed and um, probably had the, the best best day of surfing our pipeline that I've ever done. Um, and But then, yeah, next day I didn't end up winning the competition and win a world title, but I walked away just knowing that I did my, my brother proud. And um, But it's, it's definitely something that, yeah, it, like, once I lost, I was like, I don't even care. I, I, it was sort of like a, a bit of a shining of light that I wasn't far away from retirement. Jack, just something that Mick said there um, about, you know, having this guard up, you know, um, in, impenetrable when it comes to emotions and things away from the sport. Is that is that kind of how you are when you step onto the rugby field? It's like, this is business and I can't let my emotions get the best of me? Or, or are you somebody who's, who's the opposite? And, you know, if something happens in your personal life, it does affect your, your, your work life. I don't know, man. It's a tough one. See, I'm, the way I'm on the field is I'm completely different off it. Like, all during the week, Monday to Friday, I'll be proper chilled. Like, I won't really think too much about the game. Again, that's probably back to what I was like as a kid. You know what I mean? I just played rugby because I love playing it. Never looked at it as a job. So I've kind of kept that during the week. So I don't really do any analysis. I don't look at other teams. Um, I just train. I just go to the gym and I do stuff like that. And then it's not really until, you know, even the morning of a game, I'm still pretty chilled. You know what I mean? I don't really think about it. It's probably not until we finished our, our, our team run, our pitch loosener, uh, I come back into the change room like that's my time then when I kind of get my head down a little bit and then when we go out for our proper team uh, our team warm-up that's when I start thinking about the rugby because uh, I learned as a kid that you spend so much time uh, wastage on nerves and being you know worried about what could happen what might happen what might not, like losing winning getting injured that I was just tired before I even started playing so I thought what's the point of even wasting this time on on something like that which might not even happen so no, that probably wasn't until like four or five years ago. So all through my younger career, I wasted my time on being nervous for the games where I was just like, do you know what? I just need to loosen up a little bit and just remember the reason why I started playing in the first place. And I think that's helped me massively, you know, in this in this stage of my life as well. Wake up call moments is actually where I want to go next because Mick, in 2004, I mean, this is a horrific injury. You tore your hamstring off the bone completely on a surf trip in Indonesia. So that must have been a, a wake up moment for you. So just, just tell us about that and, and what it made you realize and what you needed to do to come back from that injury to become world-class. Um, yeah, look, that was a big wake up call that one. Yeah. I was actually on a trip in Indonesia for, for Ripka doing, I tore my hamstring off the bone. Uh, we're in the middle of nowhere. So I had a, a 24 hour boat ride to get back to land and then try and um, bribe our way onto airplanes and stuff like that to get back to Australia. But at the extent I, at the start, I didn't know how bad of an injury it actually was. And um, as I started getting home and getting scanned and stuff like that, they're like, look, you've torn your hamstring totally off the bone. And it's like, oh, okay, what do you what do you do here? Um, and I, I searched for a couple of months to find, you know, the right rehab and all that sort of stuff. And it wasn't until I ran into a doctor and he was like, look, if you don't get that surgery done, then you may never run again. And and so I was just like, okay, cool. Um, no one had really done any of these surgeries. So it was a bit of an unknown for all of us. 
Um, but I figured if I can't run, I can't surf. Yeah, got the surgery done and then we pretty much just made the rehab up as we went along. Um, but my my number one goal then was to was just to get surfing. Um, I didn't really care about competition at that stage. I was just like, I've just got to surf, just got to surf. And um, and the first event back, I ended up winning. Um, I remember having a heat with Sonny Garcia, and who was an idol of mine, and I ended up beating him pretty bad. <laughs> and um, he just sort of just put his arm around me and was like, welcome back. And, and that to me is something that stuck. I was like, well, maybe I am back. <laughs> you know, so um, that was a, a big, a big confidence booster for me, but also a moment that I'll never forget. Yeah, it must have been incredible. Jack, is, is there, has there been any moments in your career that where it's kind of like a, a, a light switch moment, a light bulb moment where you're like, oh, wow, that's what I've been doing wrong or this is what I needed to do or, or, or something like that, I guess? No, I, I just feel like kind of the stage I'm at in my career at the moment is, like I mentioned to you before, is that I'm stuck in, the, I'm stuck in that rut at the moment of getting injured, playing a couple of games, getting fit, playing a couple of games, getting injured again, another operation. So like the way I the way I've I've targeted this one now is that when I come back from this I'm not going to worry too much about injuries or anything like that. Um, I'm not going to change the way I play or anything, but uh, I'm just going to stop worrying about it because I'm like before I think I've, I've had I've had nine operations now and every single time I come I come back I'm worrying about what could be my next operation like what what am I going what else can I injure? Whereas now I'm just I know it's not a way to go into a game thinking about it, but unfortunately it happens sometimes. But now I'm just going to try and let loose a little bit not worry too much about that and just see what whatever happens happens in a way mm, enjoy it while, while you're living it i guess well mick earlier on me and jack were talking about retirement um and obviously that's something that you've been through talk to me about that period of your life and and why you decided to make the call to to retire it wasn't like a, a, a light bulb moment that just said bang i'm retiring you know it, it's been something that i'd sort of spoken with close friends and, and family for a few years, you know, just sort of started planning life after the tour. And after the, the crazy year of 2015, I just just hit the bottom of the barrel. Like I had no, no energy, nothing to give. And I just felt like I couldn't do another year on tour. Um, and so I decided to have um, half a year off just to go and do me and try and fill up fill up the fun tank, um, you know, try and get a piece of me back. I learned so much in that year where, you know, there was so much more out there in life. It was um, amazing. Like, don't get me wrong, being on tour was incredible. It was it was something that I love. I still watch um, and still in, in, so in such a big fan of surfing, but I just had to do me a little bit differently. I sort of just lost the, the fire. So I had half a year of 2016 off and then coming back in 2017, I think I was at the second or third event. And um, I remember sitting in a car park and I sat there for four hours waiting for my heat to start. And it was such a beautiful day and there was waves and, you know, there, I could have just been having so much fun doing other things. And I just went then and there, I just went, this is my last year, I'm done. I'm, I'm not waiting around for, for life anymore. I'm, I'm going to go and just take it. So um, that was that was pretty much my, my moment. Uh, of, yeah, I'm, I'm quitting the tour. And so I, I surfed the, the end of 2017 out and um, 
did the first two events of 2018 and retired at Bell's Beach, uh, the Ripcurl Pro. And yeah, now I'm just, uh, now I've got the dream job of just traveling around and surfing and uh, making movies and um, yeah, just having fun. What was competition like, you know, when you knew that the, the end was in sight? Did you did you lose motivation at all, or did you did you want to go out on a high? How did it work for you? Because obviously, different people have different motivators when it comes to calling it a day. I wanted to go out and do the best I possibly could. I wanted to make sure that I had no stone unturned, and and just so I came in without an excuse. That was my biggest thing. No regrets. Um, and then my, my final year of competing, I just found myself getting sloppy. You know, I wasn't training as much. I wasn't, um, I, I wasn't preparing as well. And, and I found I wasn't enjoying as much. So yeah, it was sort of, um, I just, yeah, I, I didn't care if I won or lost, to be honest. I've got a question though, Nick. So I'm going to, st- I'm going to, I'm going to stop you. All right, go Nick, ahead. I'm stopping you. This is your, it's your time, baby. Do you, uh, do you support the Aussie boys out there? Do you watch much rugby? I do. Yeah. Um, I watch a little bit. You know, I guess it's a, it's a tough time for Aussie rugby. You don't have to lie. No, don't, don't lie. <laughs> no, I, I do. I, um, it's, it's something I grew up watching a bit of rugby. Um, you know, I guess in a, in the era of George Gregan and, you know, the, uh, Campisi and, and guys like that um, in the golden era, I guess for the, for the Wallabies was incredible. But yeah, it's been a it's been a, a tough few years for the Aussies at the moment. So um, yeah, it, it is a little bit tougher to watch, to be honest. I'm not going to lie; most of them prefer being uh, watching you surfing on the beaches. Yeah. I think everyone's pretty jealous. I, I, was, of that, I was just about to say. I mean, look, I've got no natural talent. But if I had to pick one of these sports, it would uh, it would most definitely be the surfing. Although, uh, yeah. although there, there is <laughs> the there, there is a chance you could get attacked by a shark, as we've already heard. So you know, um, well, I get, I get, actually, I guess in your uh, in your game, Jack, you could get attacked by a sail shark. Then, <laughs> uh, I'm not even. Three. I'm not even talking about that. Mate. That was awful. That <laughs> <laughs> was shocking, absolutely shocking. You two actually um, have got something in common, uh, and it's not that you both love surfing. As another thing, you both have newborns. So, talk to me. Is that why you're up so early in Australia at the moment? Because obviously, where we are in the UK at the moment, it's uh, it's night time. But is that why you're up? Because the newborn was up. Yeah, yeah, I got up at three. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> three. Yeah, uh, it, it's all good. He, he's he's just uh, he's just learning now. He's just going through that sleep regression where he's um, yeah going up and down. And um, but he, I think we're we're sort of on the back end of it. So how do you deal with the sleepless nights, Jack? I'm uh, I'm I'm not too good. I do like about nine hours sleep. I feel like I need to get that to be able to perform <laughs> the next day. But um, I'm I'm very jealous. I, obviously, our summers are you know nowhere near as good as what it is like over there at the moment. But, you know, we're similar in a way, you know, half five, six o'clock. Um, so the summertime for me, when the sun rises, is perfect. That's when I like to get up early again. But I've got I've got two little girls. So my new my new little girl is also going through the uh, the sleep stages at the moment. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's not nice. It's not, it's not, a, not an easy time to go through. It's been inspirational and, and, and amazing to speak to you. And thank you for coming on. But the last thing that I want to do, I'm trying to do you a favour now, Jack, is... You know, if, if if Jack's over in Australia playing rugby or whatever, you know, if there's if something happens, England, Australia in the not too distant future, you know, a potential meet up, maybe a surfing lesson for Jack. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Good call. I'd love to take you surfing. Um, 
yeah, look, I, I, I find that so fun when two different sports come together. And uh, yeah, look, mate, anytime, anytime. You and Oz, give me a call. I've got that contracted. Or if I'm over that way, I'll give you a call. Yeah. Too. Maybe we'll go. Hit that wave pool in Wales or something. If you come back down to Cornwall, mate, I'll take you down there. But I've got that contract is signed and written down now. We've got, right, we've so got the, the video evidence now of uh, of Mick saying. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh, listen, Mick, take care. Have a good day, my friend. Cheers, guys, and uh, all the best. Cheers, boys. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, man. What an incredible guy, and 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 I know I know um, Jack. Obviously, for you, uh, a big a big fanboy moment. But you held it down well. You held it down well, mate. Mate, I couldn't sit still during it. I was a bit like on the edge of my seat, and then I sat back, and then <laughs> but, like I was proper like listening to him. Like the whole the whole shark story. You know what I mean? It's mental, mate. And he's obviously gone through a lot, like you mentioned with his brothers and stuff like that. And for me, I've got nothing to ever compare um, to anything like that because obviously I've been. You know, very lucky touch wood with my family and stuff like that. But, you know, for him to carry on and keep doing what he was doing and then retire on his terms as well, come back through through injuries and stuff, you know, you've got to take your hat off to people like that because it is it's phenomenal to to see and to, to obviously witness. But then to, you know, to chat to him as well, is that's, that was class, man. Yeah, and and because I mean, this is the last the last in the series for us, the last episode in the series, and we seem to have lined up a, a personal surfing lesson for you with one of your heroes. So you know, <laughs> mate, I've been following on Instagram for ages now. So obviously, as soon as we finish, I'm gonna have to go on Instagram and be like, hey, "Mate, do you remember me? I, we just just had a little chat, all right?" So just <laughs> <laughs> unfollow him and then refollow him. You know, make sure he sees the and then like and then like twenty pictures as well. <laughs> <laughs> that is the way to do it well like i said this is this is the last episode and it's a it's a shame man i've got i've got really really used to this view of you in in your shorts in your gym you know um just having a chat with you i'm, I'm gonna miss it mate. mate we can have we can have weekly facetimes catch-ups mate i don't mind that and i can even come back here as well actually what i can do is i can put the phone up in the, against the wall or something so when i'm having a gym session you can be with me if you want yeah, I mean, we can do that. If you it might be a bit weird if I'm just kind of watching you in the gym, but while, while I'm just laying on the sofa doing nothing. But but you know, whatever floats your boat. If it helps you uh, rehab well, mate, then I'm down. <laughs> Deal done. <laughs> All right. Um, it's been a it's been an amazing journey though. We've had so many good guests. Obviously, we we saved Mick to the end there. Ryan Pessoa has been on your teammates. I mean, that was feels like ages ago now, but that was a a wild one trying to deal with. You, you three on on one call. I felt like an intruder. Mate, imagine what our our coaches feel like then when we're all together. And that was just three of us. So if there was fifty of us in a in a change room, mate. Imagine what that could be like. But I'm glad I've given you a bit of a a bit of an insight to our lives as well. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of Decoding Athletes, as Jack gave you a little insight into what it's like to be an elite rugby player. Remember, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe for free at Spotify, Apple, Amazon and all major podcast platforms so you don't miss any of the new episodes as they're released. And while you're there, give the podcast a rating and let us know what you think of it or who you'd like to hear next in the reviews. There are video versions of all the episodes and loads more, including Series 1 of Decoding Athletes with eight-time BMX Flatland world champion Matthias Dandois, plus a whole host of incredible sports people for you to enjoy at redbull.com forward slash decoding. Until next time, bye-bye.